I suspect that all of us as believers have had those times in life that we sometimes describe as our prayers bouncing off the ceiling. You know what that means. We pray and we we pray and we pray, but from our perspective, it seems like God is not hearing our prayers. Maybe the answer doesn't come as quickly as we wanted, or maybe the answer we receive isn't exactly the answer that we wanted. Or or maybe it's one of those times in life when the darkness obscures the evidence of the light. Over the past few weeks, we've been looking at the story of Ruth. We're going to start looking this morning at the story described in the first couple of chapters of 1 Samuel. We've seen how through Ruth's simple acts of faith, God was doing something remarkable Remarkable even in in Ruth's life, and and yet it was even more remarkable beyond through Ruth's acts of faithfulness and caring for her mother-in-law and being faithful to God. Through that, God establishes the lineage of the Messiah. We've been seeing that over the last couple of weeks, but we're getting a little ahead of the story because we're going to continue the story today in 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel actually continues the historical story of this period with the account of another remarkable woman, a lady by the name of Hannah. And in her story, we learn the power of prayer and the purpose of faithful commitment to God's plan. Prayer is powerful because our God is powerful. The story of Hannah is one of the great human dramas in the Old Testament. She's the husband of a fellow named Elkanah, who, following the unfortunate practice of that particular time period, had married another wife named Penina. And as you can imagine, that arrangement doesn't work out very well. Made worse by the fact that Penina was able to have children while Hannah was not. And Elkanah tries to to make up for this difference between these two wives by giving lots of stuff to Hannah, which in turn makes Penina very jealous, and it leads her to ridicule Hannah to no end. Anyone who thinks multiple marriages is a good idea ought to have their head examined. This was one messed up family. But God works even through our human mistakes. When this family would go to worship, Penina would use that opportunity to really rub it in the face of Hannah that she didn't have any children. I mean, you can almost see this going on in your mind's eye as they would be traveling to go to worship. She would would have her brood of children all around her and she would be counting them. One, two, three, four... I wonder how many Hannah has, you know, just really, really making fun of her. Caused Hannah no end of grief. Elkanah didn't do anything to help the situation with his response that we find in 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 8. Elkanah, her husband, would say to her, Hannah, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? Why are you downhearted? Don't I mean more to you than ten sons? What a typical guy response. Hey, you got me. What else could you possibly want? 
Elkanah could not get it through his thick head that he had set up this whole problem when he thought it was a good idea to have two wives. This twisted situation finally does lead Hannah to do something right. It led her to pray frequently and fervently. We, we hear her prayer recorded here in 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 11. And she made a vow saying, O Lord Almighty, if you will only look upon your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life and no razor will ever be used on his head. Her prayers, in fact, were so fervent that as they were worshiping, a priest thought she was drunk. But she quickly explained that far from being intoxicated, she was fervently calling out to God. And this priest, a fellow by the name of Eli, recognizes the power of that kind of prayer. Verse 17, Eli answered, Go in peace, and may the God of Israel grant you what you have asked of him. And Hannah in that moment realized God had heard her prayer. Even though she had yet to see what the answer was going to be, she had a peace she did not have before. In verse 18 she said, May your servant find favor favor in your eyes. Then she went her way and ate something, and her face was no longer downcast. Have you ever talked to two people that attended the same event, but their descriptions of that event are so different, you wonder, did you guys go to the same thing? Like two guys that go to the same sporting event. One guy says, that was a terrible game. The hot dogs were cold and overpriced. The seats were crowded and uncomfortable. The, the, the ref missed call after call. I couldn't believe how bad it was. Whereas the other guy said, it was the greatest game ever. I've never seen so many exciting plays. The game was so intense, I forgot to eat. The game went back and forth. We were cheering so much, I don't think I ever even sat down. We scored the winning points in the very last second. I couldn't believe how incredible it was. The same game, but two very different opinions. One person focused on the circumstances. The other person focused on the victory. Hannah's circumstances don't change between verse 16 and verse 18. She still does not have any of the children that she desperately longed to have. But her focus was very different. Before, she was focused on her circumstances, on everything that was wrong. But by verse 18, her focus changes. Instead of focusing on her circumstances, she focuses on the God of victory. That's what prayer does. It's not a magic spell. It's not a way to manipulate God into doing what we want Him to do. 
Prayer changes our focus. Prayer recognizes that God is bigger than our circumstances. Prayer recognizes that our circumstances don't determine the victory. God determines the victory. Prayer reveals that to us. It provides the hope that only faith in God can provide. Our prayers to God are powerful because the God of our prayers is powerful. Through prayer, we see what is perhaps the most important thing that we can see in life. Through prayer, we see God's purpose. Now, as we saw in the story of Ruth that we've been looking at over the past few weeks, much more was going on in that story than what initially meets the eye. Well, that's true here in the story of, of Hannah. The story of Hannah is not just an account of one woman's struggle against life. God was preparing to answer not only Hannah's prayers, but also he was going to answer the prayers of the people of Israel. This period in Israel's history was a roller coaster. Depending on whether their leadership trusted God or not, the nation of Israel was up and down through this entire period. They desperately needed someone to point them to God. And that's exactly what Hannah's son was going to do. And yes, in answer to her prayer, Hannah does have a son. It's recorded in verse 20. So in the course of time, Hannah conceived and gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel saying, because I asked the Lord for him. What a name. Samuel comes from the Hebrew word for God hears. So, from the time she had this son on, every morning when she would call out her son's name, she would be reminded that God heard her prayers. As she dedicated Samuel to God's service, again, she follows the vow that she made to God, a story that we're going to see unfolding over the next few weeks. She would see God answering her prayer, but then doing so much more than just that. Samuel would go on to lead the nation, even as a young boy, hearing God's voice. That's a story that's going to unfold in the verses ahead. But for now, it's significant to understand this story of one woman's grief turned to hope through prayer is much more than just that. God was working out his purpose. It's a question that is often asked in theological circles, but it's asked even more often just in everyday life. Why does God allow pain? I don't pretend to have all of the philosophical answers to that question uh, raises. 
And the truth is, there are just some things we're not going to fully understand this side of heaven. But there are significant answers to that question to be found in the Scripture, even from our limited perspective. The book of Job addresses this very issue very directly. And God's answer to Job is to trust him. And Job does, and and God's glorified through the story of Job's life. And we have lasting evidence of God's goodness and God's faithfulness in that. But it's not just in the book of Job. You see this over and over and over again throughout the Bible. Stories of men and women who go through very painful experiences and ultimately learn to trust God. To trust Him to be faithful. They don't always see the full reason why. Job didn't. I'm not sure if Hannah did fully or not, although she certainly saw how God was going to use Samuel in some very specific and special ways. But here's the point. Even through her difficult days, God was working in and through the life of Hannah. And Hannah was willing to trust God even before she had a child. And when Samuel was born, she gives him this name that needs to remind all of us of this extraordinary truth that sometimes with our human eyes it's difficult to see, but that we need to understand even so. That God hears. Our God hears. What prayer are you praying today that goes beyond what you can see? We saw illustrated in the video earlier in the service. Who's that family member that you're praying for that seems so far away from the Lord? And yet fervently, day by day, you fall before God and call out their name and and say, God, bring them to you. God hears. What's that circumstance in your life? That like the circumstances in Ruth's life, like the circumstances in Hannah's life, it just seems hopeless. It's beyond human answer. And yet you fervently continue to fall before the Lord and say, God, I don't understand these circumstances. I don't understand why this is happening. But God, I turn it over to you. God, I pray you'd be glorified through this. God, I ask that you would intervene in this circumstance. And God, I don't know how you're going to do that, but God, I'm going to trust you. God hears. As people of the book, as people who follow the Savior, we should be a people of prayer. People who recognize that even when we may not see it, even when we may not understand it, our God hears. What are you praying today? Heavenly Father, help us to understand this essential truth that you hear our prayer. That even right now as we are calling out to you, you hear 
our prayer. God, we desperately need you. We need you in this church. We need you to do things at National Heights Baptist Church that we can't do. We need you to reach the lives of men and women, boys and girls throughout this community. And as we faithfully proclaim the gospel, God, we we pray for you to intervene, that your Holy Spirit would transform lives of people, that we would see your Spirit move in in a dramatic, powerful way in our community. God, hear our prayer. Heavenly Father, in our lives, we have specific circumstances. All of us face those issues in life that we don't understand, those those pains that, that we can't figure out, those quandaries that go beyond our human ability to comprehend. And God, we plead with you to intervene, to show us that you are working, to show us that your purpose is still real. God, we thank you for the assurance that you gave to Hannah and the assurance that you give to us today that as we pray, you hear. We're asking you to work even in our midst this morning. For it is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.